Friends, our second lesson is from the book of Acts, the story of the new church. And we are looking at the sixth chapter, verses 1 through 7. Now, during those days, when the disciples were increasing in number, the Hellenists complained against the Hebrews because their widows were being left out of the daily distribution of food. And so the 12 disciples called together the whole community of disciples, and they said, It is not right that we should neglect the word of God in order to wait on tables. Therefore, friends, select from among yourselves seven men of good standing, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we may appoint to this task, while we, for our part, will devote ourselves to prayer and to serving the word. Now what they said pleased the whole community, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, together with Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicolaus, a proselyte of Antioch. And they had these men stand before the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to spread. The number of the disciples increased greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, we know that there is no such thing as preaching without your Holy Spirit. And we know, too, that there is no such thing as the church unless your spirit is working through each person who calls on the name of Christ. And so we pray for more of your spirit, Lord God, that the words spoken may be only of you and that we would be able to hear with our hearts and minds what you are calling us to this day. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. By the time I was finishing seminary, my grandparents, my grandfather was 90, my grandmother was 89. And when I told them that I was going to seminary to be a minister, there were no flowery words about how proud they were of me. And I was just happy they weren't angry right? Because they believed women shouldn't be ministers. But the best sign of acceptance I got from them is that my grandfather took it upon himself to further my education. Now, he was 90 at this point. He had been a deacon in their church from the age of 25. And so he had all of this experience of leading and serving in the church and he was very intentional about sharing that with me. He was also 90, and so he just said it how it was. He didn't care who he offended. He just said whatever came to his mind. And so I'll share with you a few things that he taught me. The first is this. He taught me how to handle a big church renovation and capital campaign. His advice was, 
that I meet with everyone in the church and I ask them what, I, what they think we should do in a renovation. And I should get a notebook and I should write down what every person says. He says, make sure you meet with everyone, take as long as you need, and then I want you to do whatever you wanna do. <laughs> I assured him that would get me fired but I appreciated the advice. His second piece of advice, he was an old soldier, yes? And so his advice was this, Tara, you don't ever leave a church when it's in the middle of conflict. You don't leave in the middle of a battle. Now you may have reservations about your church and that's fine, but you stay put and you love people and you care for them until they make it through that. And if you still are convicted that you need to leave, you leave then, but you never leave in the middle of conflict. And I have no plans of leaving, but I will tell you that I will try my very hardest to live that out. And then he told me this, he said, I'm just disgusted. You know, everybody gets saved and they think they got to be the preacher. He said, but I looked around and I knew there were a lot of jobs in the church and I decided somebody's got to be the deacon. You know what he meant, yes? That in joining a new church or in your baptism, if you are an adult, you have this flood of energy and excitement, and maybe you think you've got to be the preacher. But he knew that someone had to do the day-to-day -day jobs of the church, the day-to-day -day leadership, and he committed himself to that. Everybody thinks they got to be the preacher, but somebody's got to be the deacon. And this story in the book of Acts is about the calling of the first deacons. We're told, well, let me begin by saying the church is still centered in Jerusalem. Up until this time, it's been led by those 12 original disciples. And they have overseen the preaching of the word, the sharing of prayers, and all of the care that these new Christians need, like the feeding and care of widows and orphans. And so there comes a time when the Hellenists, those are those who are of Greek birth and they live in and around Jerusalem, they come to the 12 disciples and they say, you're forgetting people. You're forgetting people. I know you're overwhelmed. I know the church is growing at this incredible rate, but we've got widows who aren't getting food. And what are you gonna do about that? Now, I want to make clear that they aren't concerned that people are being left out because they're Greeks and the others may be Hebrews. They're concerned because they believe that the mission of the church is to look like the kingdom of God until the kingdom comes. That's the mission. The mission is that they are to show everyone what Jesus would want them to do and be. And they believe the gospel when Jesus said to preach, teach, care, and feed. And so they are saying, in effect, look, we really aren't being the church because people are being left out. And the apostles say, you're right. 
And so we see what we now know is the polity of our own denomination, right? We see the disciples say, find people in the, the, the congregation, essentially, in the church that you believe would make good leaders. And we are told that Stephen and the others are people who are full of grace and full of the Holy Spirit. And they lay their hands on them and they put them to work. Now, one of the things I also love about the Bible is that it's always honest. And in just a few short chapters, we will learn that Stephen, who has been led to this work, will be killed. And I don't know about you, but I've been in that church meeting where I thought somebody might get killed. And I've been in that church meeting, if I'm being honest, where I've thought about doing the killing. Not here, of course. But it's not easy to be a leader and carer of people. It's just not easy. But here's the promise. The whole of the book of Acts is the story of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is with and on the church. The Holy Spirit enables the work of the church. It is the Holy Spirit who comes and calls people to faith. It is the Holy Spirit who gives gifts for the church. Friends, we believe that in our baptism, everyone is given gifts of the Holy Spirit to be used for the church so that we can become the kingdom here in this place, showing others like a light what it means to follow Jesus Christ. And so even though leadership and service in the church is difficult, we know that the Holy Spirit still builds us up for that work. You don't have to worry if you have any gifts. You don't have to worry if you have enough energy. You trust that the Holy Spirit will build you up for that work. And so the question for us today is, what are we being called to? What are we being called to in the same way that that first church in Jerusalem was called to? We're certainly called to be an exhibition of the kingdom of God to the world. But what does that mean in each of our lives? That's something you have to discern with God and answer for yourself. But there are two things I know to be absolutely true. The first is this. Your presence is needed in the church. If COVID has taught us anything, it's that when you aren't here, when we gather together to worship God, you are deeply missed. The church is not all that it can be if you are not here in this place. We need you. We need one another. The simplest thing you can do for the church is be a part of it. Here with us when we gather. The second thing I firmly believe is that you are gifted. Everybody may think they got to be the preacher, but friends, somebody's got to be the usher. And somebody's got to go run that grill to make us lunch after worship. Somebody's got to teach Sunday school. It takes all of us 
giving our gifts, giving of ourselves to make the church what it is supposed to be. Listen, the world doesn't need another Tara. You don't need another mess like this. You need more of you in the world, welcoming people, loving them. And whether you decide to serve one time or in a position, that means you commit for three years like our church officers do. Make no mistake, you are the church. You are called to gather and you are called to serve. And if you think that it's too hard and you don't have the time or the energy, if you think that it's too difficult Never underestimate the power of the Holy Spirit to guide you and carry you and make this church all that it should be. So there's other advice my grandfather gave me that isn't really suitable to the pulpit. But the best thing he gave me was that every Sunday I knew where I could find them. Every Sunday at the church, grandmother in the choir, grandfather teaching Bible study, every Sunday. They gave that to me. They showed me what it is to be the church of Jesus Christ. And I am asking that we do that here. It is so good to have you here, to be the church together. And I trust you completely to show the kingdom of God to the world. Amen.